Hey, buddies, fellow Franco fans. It is I, your host, Jason Rudy, from the Mighty Desperate Visions Productions, a Sacramento, California-based filmmaking group headed by yours truly. And um, I'll just tell you real quick off the bat, because there'll be a commercial in the middle. We have six Blu-rays now out for purchase. Mondo Sacramento, Lady Hyde, Emmanuel in Sin City, Nudie Cutie double feature of Mondo Visions with The Desires of Dawn and the short films of Jason Rudy, Volume 1 and 2. And those are all available for $20 each or a discount if you buy more than one or buy the whole bunch, excuse me. Uh, you can get those at DesperateVisions at Yahoo.com or I can give you the link from the manufacturer and they'll ship it to you if you want to buy it outside of the United States. They'll ship worldwide. We also have uh, Lady Hyde and Mondo Sacramento 2 on Tubi. And we have Lady Hyde playing on Tubi, of course, and Amazon Prime as well. So check those out. And uh, every time you watch them, make a little coin, so that helps. Uh, If you feel like donating, you can at the Red Circle homepage, the Franco Observer homepage at Red Circle. Uh, Do one time or reoccurring. That's very awesome. Uh, you can subscribe also to the podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, favorite platforms. Although I'll tell you what, by 145 episodes now, I think you kind of know all that. Uh, if you can, if you like the show, if you follow the show and listen to the episodes, please rate and review the podcast on any of those uh, platforms. I would appreciate that. Also, if you like the podcast and if you dig me and Desperate Visions Productions, please tell a friend share the news my advertising budget is zero i'm a one-man operation so any help you can share and help me out i always appreciate it so tell people about the show you got a lot of free entertainment there 145 episodes which is probably shit over 200 hours uh, plus more of free franco content so that's a lot of stuff for free check it out if you want to buy any of the DVDs or get a hold of me, you can, of course, at either DesperateVisions at Yahoo.com or FrancoObserver at Yahoo.com. I don't really get many emails at FrancoObserver at Yahoo.com, so it'd be nice if you could break that trend and uh, send me a fan letter, send me some f- feedback, tell me if you dig the show or what. So I'd appreciate it. Uh, you can also get a hold of me at uh, Facebook and Instagram pages at Franco Observer Podcast. We've got a Facebook page and we've got an Instagram page. Go ahead and add those and follow me and all that stuff. And if you want to follow me on uh, Letterboxd, I'm on there on uh, Franco Observer with Jason Rudy on Letterboxd. Go ahead and add me there if you want. And I'll always follow you back. So, all right. All right. So now we are up to where are we at here now? Episode 145, film 160, Downtown Heat. And uh, this is just recently put out through Full Moon, I believe, on Blu-ray. Um, I'm watching, I haven't watched it yet, but I'll be watching the uh, DVD-R of it that I got years ago. So that's where I'll be watching it. But yeah, I guess it's out through Full Moon Blu-ray now. So, uh, so it's bad they're putting out the, the, the later era, Franco. It's not the strongest, um, but, you know, they want to just keep mining that well, so here we go. All right, of course, all information from this portion is taken from the book Flowers of Perversion, The Delirious Cinema of Jesus Franco, Volume 2 by Stephen Thrower, 
still in print, and I heard that they re-released uh, Volume 1 again, so it's back in print. So uh, I don't know what they were selling it for, but it used to be really expensive, so now it's cool. You can get it back out again, so pick that up. Both these books are really well worth your dollar. It's uh, very good information, and they have a lot of good stuff in this book, so two of the best investments I've bought. So, All right, here we go. Downtown Heat, uh, English-language export title. France and Spain co-production made 1990 we're up to now wow uh, original theatrical titles in country of origin in Spain it's called Cuidad Baja downtown heat in France it's just called downtown which there's already a downtown Franco Maine so this is downtown too but yeah down downtown two words almost like a kickboxer that's a between the sheets joke there uh, alternative titles, uh, Cuidad Baja, Spain video, Downtown, they just call it Downtown as well. Uh, in Hungary, the video is Downtown Heat, Berivosi, Hosak. Uh, Poland DVD is called Downtown Gunfight. Um, let me see if I can try to read this here. Strzelania W. Centurum Mista. Uh, Spanish TV version number one is Downtown Heat, Cuidad Baja. I have it in there twice for. And Spanish TV version 2, The Head of the Vipers, La Punta de la Vibos, Viboros. Unconfirmed titles, La Vila Base and Vipers, the alternative export title. Production companies on this, ELMT out of Paris and Fervi Films out of Madrid. Uh, theatrical distributor, none. All right, timeline, shooting date, January 1990. French visa issued September 4th, 1991. Wow, a year and uh, eight months later. Spanish approval date, October 7th, 1994. Wow. Uh, Spanish Canal Plus screening, June 27th, 1995. That's like nine years, six months later, is downtown heat. Uh, Spanish TV E1 screening June 8th, 1997 as La Punta de la Viboros. Records at the Spanish Ministry of Culture claim that the film played in Madrid on October 14th, one day after my birthday, of 1994. However, Madrid cinema listings for the day do not support this assertion. As far as can be told, the film did not play theatrically anywhere in Spain. It's likely that the SMC screening was either a press show or a trade show. Theatrical running time, France, 100 minutes, Spain, 95 minutes. The DVD running time converted from the France TWEL PAL DVD is 97 minutes, 58 seconds. So about 98 minutes. All right, director, we all know who, Jess Franco. Story. Jess Franco <laughs> Screenplay Jess Franco Michael Katimus Producers Jess Franco Eric Lardy Not Eric Lardass But Eric Lardy uh, Director of Photography Nathalie Abensauer As Nat Abensauer Music Daniel J. White First Assistant Director Nathalie Beharel A different Nathalie Second assistant director, Charles S. Chaplin as Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Charlie Chaplin was a fucking assistant, second assistant director. Uh, coach, <laughs> I used to work with a coach. Coach Robert Long, 
production manager, Antonio Mayans. Uh, let's see, production assistants. Uh, I'm going to read all these names here. Camera assistants, two of them. Still photographer, Luis Albert. Special effects person, electrician. He's got a big cast in this again. Perchman, operator of Dolly. He's got a makeup, Manuela Moreno. Elisa Bonnet, art director, Daniel Katz. Music performed by keyboards, bass, percussion. Wow, I've got the whole band listed here. Uh, production managers, two of them. Music, sound recordist. God, a good crowd for him. Good cast, I should say. Uh, he's got an editor, Lena Romay, as Rosa Marie Almoral. That's her real name. Uh, and, and in Bejaral. Casting Claire Newell in Los Angeles. Marta Flores in Barcelona. Wow, two casting okay. Uh Let's see what else we got here. Recordings, World Sales, Atlas Films. Um, we'd like to thank the authorities and people of Villanova and La Giltru, Barcelona, for their collaboration in the making of the film. All right, cast. Oscar Ledore as Oscar Lardore plays the role of Alberto Romero. Craig Hill as Greg Hill plays Thomas Raddick. Nice, Raddick. That's Raddick's a uh, name of his that he used all the way back in uh, Eugenie and uh, from um, uh, a lot of cool people. So yeah, Raddick's always a, a heel name for him. Um, let's see. Felipe Lemaire plays Luke Bedell. Robert Long plays Cucho, Raddick's right-hand man. Daniel Katz plays Flores Fuentes. Josephine Chaplin returns and plays Maria Mendoza. Steve Parkman plays Paul Bowles. Lena Romay plays Melissa. Famous Mike Connors is in it as Steve Previn, the American cop. Um, Noel J. Sampson as Noel Sampson plays Jeff Previn's boss. Antonio Mayans plays Carlos Rivas, Alberto's buddy in the first scene. Jaime Mare Ferry plays as Mir Ferry plays Luis Betancourt, the banker. David Fulton plays commis- police commissioner. Victor Israel plays a vagabond. Francisco Jacquet Zorbano plays Vagabond's buddy. Sergey Lopez plays a tenor singing opera on stage. And finally, it also has Piggy and Down and And Nova Sec in it. Of course, I'll read the synopsis when we do the review later. It should probably be a solo review again. Not a lot written on this, so it's pretty interesting. Uh, like one page. Production notes. Uh, in stark contrast to its minor, minor, in stark contrast to its minor artistic importance, Downtown Heat became the subject of a bitter and protracted cult, court wrangle between Franco and Eurocene major domo Maurice Lassur, his longtime friend and production associate since the French release of La Reina de Tabarin in 1961. After bitter disagreements with Lassur during production of Fall of the Eagles. Franco took his next film, Downtown Heat, elsewhere. Lesueur claimed right over the script, a contention which led to a drawn-out trial process lasting four years. That's why it took so long for it to play. The final ruling went against Lesueur, but then, but by then the competing French production company ELMT were in financial trouble. Consequently, the film received no distribution in France and only TV screenings in Spain. As a result of all this, Franco and Marius Lesueur's business relationship was fatally damaged. It was the end of Franco's dealings with Eurocene, although there must have been an olive branch offered because 
sometime in 2003 when Lesueur died at age 92, because in 2005, Daniel Lesueur, Marius's son and business partner, entered into talks with Franco for a possible sequel to The Doctor Off, to The Awful Doctor Orloff. See Snake Woman, 2005. All right, review by Stephen Thrower. A crime drama with one eye on possible cable TV bookings, Downtown Heat is as vapid and characterless as a film just Franco a film as Jess Franco ever shot, which is not to say it doesn't function competently as a middle-of-the-road straight-to-video shelf filler, but that's hardly a recommendation. The locations are blandly attractive, the cast are blandly attractive, and most of the acting is blandly successful within the limited ambition of the picture. Unlike his mid-80s misfires, there's no sense of the film being thrown together in three days. Everything about the film is staunchly professional. If this sounds like I'm damning with with faint praise, well, you're right. All that downtown heat proves is that if he'd wanted to, Franco could have spent the 1990s churning out thoroughly ordinary cop show guff. The highlight amid the shallows is Lena Romay's picturesque turn as a lesbian druggie who stole a nice guy Paul's girlfriend and seduced her into a life of scuzz. Hanging around with a pack of... (coughs) Excuse me. Hanging around with a pack of trauma-esque new wave goons and decked out in punkoid makeup, Romay upstages the rest of the cast. Even leading man Paul, who's handsome but oh-so-boring. No wonder his wife left him. Taking drugs in a wrecked car with a punk lesbian looks a hell of a lot more fun than being married to this dickless catalog model. (laughs) Ouch. Adding a punk stain of a different sort to the powder blue jackets and beige action is a reactionary streak of police vigilantism and some strident anti-drug chest beating. As mentioned in the review of Dark Mission, Franco's hostile attitude to drugs has been building up through the 1980s. Perhaps he saw friends getting sucked into self-destructive behavior. Maybe the AIDS epidemic made him more intolerant of the drug scene, but Franco makes an implausible moralist, and it's un edifying to see him rolling out the conservative big guns in such a crude battle of good against evil. Making salacious sex films about women abused in penal servitude, we could at least credit Franco with a healthy fantasy life and a lively sense of irony, but there's no such evidence here. Listening to characters haranguing drug users for having no imagination in a film with no imagination, and then watching supposedly heroic cops gunning down a drug dealer in the name of real justice, just he's about to be arrested, I have to say my patience finally snapped. I'm not about to stomach Jess Franco of all people turning into a karaoke Michael Winner. Yikes. Uh, cast and crew. Mike Connors, star of nearly 200 episodes of US TV cop show Maddox, takes top billing, although he only shows up for the last 20 minutes. It's a pity he couldn't get there earlier. <laughs> because the main actor, Oscar Ledore, is unconvincing and terribly dull. Philippe Lemire returns for the second and by far the least of his two roles for Franco, the first being Pipo in 1973's excellent El Otro Lado de Espero. Josephine Chaplin also makes an unexpected return following her prior Franco film credit playing the female lead in Jack the Ripper, 1976. Her son, Charles, would go on to work with Franco on Jungle of Fear and Killer Barbies. Prolific Barcelona-based character actor Victor Israel, the house that screamed, 
Necrophagus, or Express, Crimson, makes his one and only appearance for Franco as a vagabond in a brief dockside sequence, while Antonio Mayans is gunned down in the first three minutes, leaving him free to work as production manager. The star of Mil Sexos Tini La Noche, Daniel Katz, plays a sniveling deadbeat crook snuffed out by his buddies for bungling the disposal of a hooker. And look out for Sergei Lopez, the murderous Captain Vidal, in Guillermo del Toro's Pan's Labyrinth, who has a fleeting role as an opera tenor on stage during the film's moderately well-orchestrated murder of the chief of police. Music. The title theme, which reoccurs frequently, features someone going bananas on a fretless electric bass played in the slap mode popularized by Level 42. Although this guy is so far beyond Level 42, he's on the roof of the Empire State Building. Either he's sending up the project, or else he's been gobbling some of those heinous drugs the film keeps warning us about. Location shot in Villanova I La Geltru, a fishing port in the province of Barcelona, about 10 kilometers up the coast from Siches. Connection. Surprisingly, there are no thematic links to the 1975 Franco film Downtown, which I mentioned earlier, which featured the director himself playing the perennial private eye character Al Pereira. So that's all he's got listed on that. So it's going to be a kind of a short opener here. So, all right, well, that's uh, that short little deal there on Downtown Heat. So hang out past the bumper music and past the uh, Blu-ray commercial I recorded. And uh, please support Desperate Visions. Pick up the Blu-rays. Watch us on Tubi. And uh, support the podcast. And hang out past the break. And I'll come back. Probably a single review with my review of Downtown Heat. Buenas noches, maha. Buenas noches. Hi, this is filmmaker Jason Rudy with Desperate Visions Productions, and I'm here today to talk to you about my Blu-ray releases, all new this year, 2023, from Desperate Visions Productions. This has been a busy year for me, as I have put out Lady Hyde on streaming services, Emmanuel in Sin City on streaming channels, and my film from 2013, Mondo Sacramento 2, which is on streaming channels. Lady Hyde is on Tubi and Amazon Prime. Emmanuel in Sin City is on the Reveal Network and a few other streaming channels. And Mondo Sacramento 2 is on Tubi and Momitu. So please check those three titles out and tell others about them. On the Blu-ray front, I am here today to talk to you about the six new releases from Desperate Visions Productions. We have the short films of Jason Rudy, Volume 1, titled Dirty Deeds and Desperate Visions. It has four short films, totaling 117 minutes long, is unrated, and has the special feature of the Creative Process Volume 1 interview by Cameron Cloutier of yours truly, Jason Rudy, talking about my filmography and stories behind the films. 
on Dirty Deeds and Desperate Visions Volume 1. We have the films Room 412 from 2007, The Last Road to Hell from 2008, Chump Change from 2010, and The Dirty ABC Rhyme from 2016. On the short films of Jason Rudy Volume 2, we have titled Demon Dames and Desperate Visions, we have the films Lady M from 2010, The Hunt for Super Fox from 2014, Simone La Femme de Mon from 2015, and Report 2057 from 2016. That runs approximately 116 minutes, is unrated, and has the special feature of the Creative Process Interview Part 2, which is a continuation um, of the past films and all that good stuff also we have a late night nudie cutie cinema double feature featuring two films two nudie cutie films from yours truly uh titled the desires of dawn and jason rudy's mondo visions the desires of dawn is from 2014 and runs 66 minutes unrated and Mondo Visions is from 2016 and runs 65 minutes, and that is unrated. Total running time on that is 131 minutes. It's 1080p, high-definition widescreen, and all discs are AV AVC encoded and PCM stereo. And these two films each have audio commentary with writer-director Jason Rudy. I give uh, brand new audio commentaries recorded specifically for these Blu-rays. Uh, the Desires of Dawn was previously on VHS, uh, on uh, excuse me, on DVD. Monovisions uh, had a short theatrical run, but this is the first time anywhere it's on home disc in the United States or worldwide. So yeah, brand new film. So check it out. And we also have, of course, Lady Hyde from 2022. It's unrated, runs 78 minutes, is 1920 by 1080p, full HD resolution, AVC encoded, PCM stereo, and that has the special features of audio commentary with writer-director Jason Rudy, theatrical trailer, and a Lady Hyde behind-the-scenes photo gallery. And uh, yeah, it's a good release. All these are region-free, by the way, so if you're listening to this anywhere in the world, they are available to play on your Blu-ray player. There's no region A, B, or C. They're all encoded to be region-free. And finally, the last two discs we have are Emmanuel in Sin City, the uncensored version. A lot of uh, Tubi and Amazon Prime would not take it because of the sexual content, so this is totally uncensored, totally uncut, and was deemed too erotic and extreme for major streaming channels. But you will see it here on Blu-ray. And that has, of course, special featured audio commentary with myself, Jason Rudy, trailer reel, and uh, exclusive behind-the-scenes photos, and more. So that's from 2023, which is the newest film. And finally, uh, the sixth release, which we just put together, is Mondo Sacramento from 2011, I believe. No, sorry, 2012. And that's 63 minutes, unrated. Special features, audio commentary, recorded specifically for... Actually, no, it's the um, the audio commentary that we used for the DVD release of it years ago with uh, 
actress Boots Trader, who's in the Batgirl segment, and actress Sondal G, who is in the Ricky the Vampire of Sacramento segment. So we have, uh, and then of course with myself as well, so we have writer, director, and uh, actor commentary on that. And then we have uh, a never-before-seen behind-the-scenes footage um, that I found for the Batgirl stripper sequence that uh, was pretty cool. Nobody's ever seen that before, so that's a special feature on that. And a behind-the-scenes pictures of the filming and of the premiere of Mondo Sacramento back in 2012. And, uh, yeah, so that's available. All six releases, which is 13 films total, are now released on Blu-ray. And they are sold by myself, the director and producer of the films. If you are interested in picking up any of the Blu-rays, they sell for $20 each plus shipping and handling if you're ordering them online or anywhere outside of Sacramento. Uh, if you want to have information on that, you can always find me and inquire about purchasing the discs on the Franco Observer page on Instagram, the Franco Observer page on Facebook, or you could write me at DesperateVisions at Yahoo.com. That's DesperateVisions at Yahoo.com, which is the Desperate Visions Productions email address. Um, and if you want to purchase all six in one swoop, I will give you a discount. And uh, pretty much the discount you save will pay for the shipping and handling. So, yeah, please support fellow independent cinema. And this is a one-man operation, so I sincerely appreciate your support. So, yeah, once again, Emmanuel in Sin City, Lady Hyde, Mondo Sacramento, the Late Night Nudie Cutie Cinema Double Feature, and the short films of Jason Rudy Volume 1 and Volume 2, all available on Blu-ray, disc, region-free, with lots of special features. So pick them up today. DesperateVisions at Yahoo.com Thanks for your support and I'll see you at the movies. Alright, we are back with the review portion of episode 145 film 160 downtown heat or the copy that i watched it was retitled don's downtown which i thought was cool it's like the guy's name's dan it's dan's downtown but yeah so once again i am your host jason rudy and this is a solo review by yours truly so um first off I'll just give a quick little deal. Um, I actually really like this film. Uh, I know in the book, Flowers of Perversion, Stephen Thrower kind of downed it and dissed it a little bit. I thought it was good. Uh, it was actually better than I thought. And if you're a longtime listener, you know that whenever I read something he writes that says it's not very good, uh, and I'll usually watch it, I usually like it. Not always, of course, but um, I don't know. I thought it was pretty, pretty darn good, so... Uh, kept me interested all the way through. There were some funny parts in it. Some continuity flaws, of course, I'll go over, and all that good stuff. But, uh, yeah, so 
first I'm going to do is read the little review, or I'm sorry, read the synopsis uh, from the book Flowers of Perversion, The Delirious Cinema of Jesus Franco by Stephen Thrower. And I'll go over the film and uh, go over the Franco list and give the plugs at the end and all that good stuff. So, all right, here we go. Uh, synopsis of Downtown Heat. When his partner, Carlos Rivas, is killed while attempting to arrest two men seen disposing of the body of a young woman, idealistic cop Alberto Romero gives chase, only for his boss, Captain Luke Bedal, to radio and inform him to desist. Disgusted, Alberto discovers that his boss is being leaned upon by the chief of police, who in turn is covering for the local drug lord, Don Thomas Raddick. Alberto warns his, I'm sorry, Alberto turns his attention to the plight of Paul Bowles, a young man looking for his missing wife, Allison, who is addicted to drugs. Allison ran off with the lesbian lover, Melissa, whom Paul traces to a punk gang living in a wrecking yard. He and Melissa find Allison's body hidden in the boat, boot, hidden in the trunk of a wrecked car. She had been murdered by her dealer. Melissa points out that the dealer at a nightclub, sorry, Melissa points out the dealer at a nightclub and Paul stabs him to death. Alberto arrives and saves Paul from being killed by the dealer's friends. He tells him of a plan he's hatched with Steve Previn, an American vice cop eager to arrest Raddick for drug offenses in the USA. With the help of his dead partner's girlfriend, Maria, and Captain Badal, whom Alberto has shamed into making a stand against corruption, Previn, Paul, and Alberto kidnap Raddick's promiscuous daughter, Lupita, and set a trap to catch him. After a shootout, Previn is finally handcuffed to Raddick, but Maria takes the law into her own hands. Wow, that just kind of told you the finish. <laughs> that's funny. I wasn't going to do that, but yeah, that's what the synopsis says, so... All right, so the film Downtown Heat was pretty good. Um, let's see what year was this made. This was 1990. Kind of felt like an 80s cop film. Um, there's touches of like The Untouchables and, uh, you know, by De Palma and uh, Miami Vice, a little Michael Mann kind of thrown in there. Um, and, uh, you know, I felt like one of those Billy D. Williams kind of uh, cop films or. It, it just had a good good feel to it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a pretty pretty funny and good all the way through. Um, a lot of Franco touches. It felt like uh, a return to his form compared to the last few films, which were Night of the Eagles, uh, Esmeralda Bay, Dark Mission, Fellow Cresto. All those. This is this felt more like a, a Franco film to me, which is probably why I liked it. Um, let me see what I want to talk about here. Um, some of the cast. Um, Oscar Ladore as Alberto Romero was good. It's interesting that they had a lot of uh, different nationalities in this because I believe he was French or maybe Italian. I think he's probably French. Then you had Craig Hill, who uh, I think that was the same guy from the last few films. Uh, let me just check real quick. Yeah, Craig Hill. Yeah, he was in... Um, Night of the Eagles and Esmeralda Bay. He played the the, the CIA agent in uh, Night of the Eagles. I'm sorry, he was the CIA agent in Esmeralda Bay that was kind of like worked for both sides. And then in Night of the Eagles, he was the friend of Christopher Lee that had his arm blown off and played pool with him in that scene. And uh, 
I don't think he... Yeah, those are the two that I remember him from. So, yeah, in this one, he played the main drug, Kingpin, which was kind of funny. Uh, of course, Raddick is a famous uh, Franco last name used in um, a lot of cool films. Uh, Eugenie and, and uh, some of the other... Um, uh, Marquita Saad um, films. Um, let's see... Felipe Lemaire as Luke Bedal. See, that was that was uh, oh, it was his boss. Okay, yeah, he was pretty good. Um, Roberto Robert Long as Radek's right hand man. Oh yeah, so that guy was Chucho, but it sounded like he said Chuchu. He's like one scene toward the end. I was gonna say, it, but I'll say it now. He goes, "I owe you one Chuchu." So like he's talking to like a little kid or something. He, You're my Chuchu. Which that was pretty funny. Uh, Daniel Katz is in it for a small role. Uh, Josephine Chaplin, of course, returns. She was in Jack the Ripper. She plays uh, Alberto Mayan's girlfriend, who's the one that helps with the plan and carries it through. She she was really good in this. She uh, downplayed her looks, just kind of dressed real kind of traditional T-shirt and jeans, jacket, hair comb, hair on kind of unkempt and everything. She turned in a good performance. Um, she, Steve Parkman he was kind of flat as the the kind of American, uh, which is funny. He was him and uh, Mike Connors were the like American people in it, which was funny. Um, but everybody else, and actually, I think Craig Hill might be American uh, English, but uh, yeah, the rest was all French and Italian and Spanish and everybody else. So it was kind of a cool to see different uh, nationalities and accents and everything in this. One thing I liked was, of course, Lena Romay always as Melissa. Uh, I like that she spoke English in this, which was very rare for her uh, in films uh, up to this point. I'm not sure afterwards, but um, she's always dubbed or, or you know, um, speaking Spanish. But in this, it was cool to hear her voice speaking English, um, and she looked really fucking cool in this. Uh, you see her in flashbacks first, where she just had a quote-unquote normal look, and then you see her in her punk rock getup, and she looked, like, so cool in this um, she definitely stood out and she drives this really cool like junk junkyard truck which is like kind of put together from another couple trucks it looks like it was like a kind of like a hearse truck something like a, a kid would draw it was really really badass so I thought that was really cool um, let's see Jeff Previn's boss Previn that was uh See Mike Connors. Okay, okay, yeah, Mike Connors. Yeah, so uh, yeah, yeah, Mike Connors as Steve Previn. Of course, Mike Connors playing Mike Connors is really good in this. Totally the best actor of all of them of of this bunch. You can just totally tell how he acts. Um, and then uh, Bill Sampson is Previn's boss. I believe he was in the last few films too. I think he was the the the, main, the CIA agent's boss of um, of Craig Hill in uh, Esmeralda Bay. Go back and look at that, but I'm pretty sure that was the same guy. Antonio Mayans is only in it in the very beginning for like two minutes before he's killed, um, which I talked about in the first half of this from Stephen Thrower mentions it. But yeah, he was only in it for just a short little blink and you miss it type scene. Um, go over the rest of the people here, Banker, uh, Commissioner. The Commissioner was okay. He's very uh, cartoonish. Kind of like you have to do what I say, or blah 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 type thing. It was wasn't that great. Um, some of the dubbing I noticed was funny. There's 
it's 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 in English, so some spoke English and others are dubbed. Some of the guys, like the drunk who's questioned that has the ring of one of the dead victims, is very comical in his dubbing. Some of the other people have very funny um, dubbed voices in this, so that was interesting. Um, so here's my notes. Um, yeah, like I said, it started off as Dan's downtown. Um, I'm sure that's the um, the uh, I'm gonna think the right word. That's the um, translated title. Um, uh, Dan's. I don't know if it's German, but it was yeah. But also, but it's funny too because the main uh, heel in this Craig Hill. Uh, actually, not him. Uh, not somebody named Dan in this film. Uh, Alberto, Craig Thomas, Reddick, Luke Bedell, Red Hand Man, Florence. Oh, that's weird. I could have swore I saw somebody's name was Dan. Brevin's boss. Shit, never mind. I took off my uh, thunder. Uh, Luke Bedell, Chucho, Flores, Maria, Paul, Melissa, Steve Previn, Mill Sampson, Carlos Rivas. Yeah, okay, well, never mind. So, yeah, so it was Don's Downtown, um, which was kind of cool. It was like some guy named Dan. Um, this was uh, International Atlas International Films, which I had never heard of them before. Um, and actually, on here, in the book, it has production company as ELMT and Fairview Films um, as the production company. And uh, I don't see a distributor... That's interesting. So the copy I have, I wonder where that's from because it's a DVD-R rip. And it was a good-looking copy, actually. It was uh, really clear and everything. But uh, Vipers. Huh, that's interesting. So I don't know where um, Madrid Cinema. Huh, that's wow, that's interesting. I don't know what where my copy's from. So, But yeah, mine was an Atlas International release. Uh, Dan's Downtown, of course, English text after the foreign credits. Um, I'll have to go back and watch it again to see what language the credits is in. So, um, so it's interesting. At the very beginning, we see um, Daniel Katz and another guy who are these uh, killers that are. Daniel Katz pulls up and he has a dead woman in the trunk, and they take her out and put her body in a van, and then they push the van or they put gasoline in the van, and then and then they. Uh, use his car and back into the van and try to push off the cliff so it blows up and disposes of the body. But if you look really closely, there's a continuity error right in the beginning where where he opens the trunk, you see a dead girl in the trunk, and then the girl he carries from the trunk into the van is a different girl. So if you go back and watch that again, you'll laugh because you'll see it's a different person. Um, so the van gets the girl gets put in the van and dropped off the cliff. Uh, you have the main cop, Hal, uh, you see if they have it listed as that Alberto, and that's uh, Antonio Mayans as Carlos Riva. Huh. So they have Hal on Mike. I wonder if mine's dubbed differently. That's interesting. So, yeah, because they have it as Hal, even though Oscar Lodori plays Alberto. Or maybe it was Al. Maybe that's where I had heard it. Okay, so I can take that back. So it's Al. Um, he's the main cop, of course. It's a good opening scene where the... The, the cops watch this and they see what's going on and they and they chase the guys through the streets but Al uh, Antonio Mines' character's killed and then so Al goes chasing after him and then uh, 
he's following Daniel Katz guy because the other guy gets shot and killed as well. And then, the, of course, his inspector tells him to stop chasing him and to let him go. And then he gets pissed off and realizes that he's that he's compromised and all that stuff. Uh, it's good opening sequence, a good car chase to the city. Of course, though, in the beginning, it starts off with like it's like a morning or an afternoon, and then it goes into nighttime pretty quick. So the uh, day to night scene was pretty quick in the continuity. So that was so that was off, which was kind of funny. Um, you know, I always point out nudity in this in, in Franco films. So we have our first nudity at 13 minutes. Uh, it's actually uh, one of the corpses that they see in the uh, morgue which was interesting that Franco decided to do that with this. There's actually not a lot of nudity in this, very little. Uh, you see the the nudity first of the corpse, and then you see um, the drug dealer's daughter. You see her butt and I think like a side shot of her boob, but uh, you see her when she's sunbathing later on in the film. Um, let's see. Uh, Italian man smiles sm- sm- cop man doesn't smoke coffee. oh yeah so um when um let's see when steve parkman plays paul bowles goes up and talks to al and he's talking to him about his girlfriend missing and he's trying to find her and stuff um al offers him a cigarette and then they smoke together and then Hal starts and then uh and then uh paul bowles starts coughing goes I don't smoke. It's like, well, what the fuck, the fuck you take a, take the cigarette for? And then so so stupid. Um, but yeah, the main the main cop, Oscar Ladora Alberto Romero, is like always smoking through the film, even though he's talking about how drugs are bad. Well, tobacco is a drug, so I don't know. That's kind of uh, interesting there. Um, the police corruption. Um, so is interesting when they find. Uh, when the guy that they let go, that's the killer in the beginning, Daniel Katz's character, um, it goes back to the drug dealer and the cop lets him, the police chief lets him know that what happened and stuff. So the, of course the main drug kingpin, uh, Thomas Raddick has to get rid of the killer for being sloppy. So he ends up with, sends three of his men down to kill him. And when they, and they throw his body in the bay and when they pull his body out, to find him and they see him laying there on the bay there's like a big crab on top of his body which was interesting that was a kind of visually cool shot um and then uh yeah different accents american french english throughout this film uh paul bull's wife has been missing for two weeks with lena she met her and went out with her and uh they um got high together and had an affair and left paul by himself paul plays saxophone on a balcony and then they show him as he's playing the saxophone. He's having a flashback to where he was playing with a band at a club. And uh, you see a nice um, mirror shot where through the glass, Paul's wife or his girlfriend's watching him play. Uh, the soundtrack in that scene was really cool. And then he has a flashback of his wife and him. And then his wife, him walking in and catching him with his wife with a topless Lena. Rome uh, on a balcony and they're kind of kissing and he catches them together. Um, it's interesting when we see um, Craig Hill, Thomas Raddick and see his daughter, who's her, let me think her name. Um, she is, not um, let's see, if I want to 
was like, oh, I don't have her name in the credits. Uh, they play Robert Law, Daniel Cass, Josephine Chaplin, Steve Parkman, Lena Romay, Mike Connors, Noel Sampson, Tony Mayans, Jamie Mayer, David Fulton, Victor Israel, Francisco, Vegas Buddy, Tanner. Oh, well, maybe she's either Peggy Ann Down or Ann Novick. Well, anyway, I'll just call her um, Raddick's daughter. When you see Raddick in the pool and he comes out and he has a really nice palatial estate, you see this beautiful woman laying face down on a chaise lounge, uh, sunbathing. She's nude and stuff. And the way that she talks to the older man, you think that that's her husband or her boyfriend. And it comes to find out that's his daughter, which was kind of weird. I threw me from a loop. I was like, wow, he's like kind of sitting with his naked daughter. And she's like late teens, early 20s. And uh, the way she's kind of flirting with him and calling him daddy and all that stuff is kind of very odd. So I thought that was kind of a weird touch. Because um, when I first watched it and wrote down notes, I had put... Uh, nude woman by pool with the main old drug dealer, and and then I put her father with question mark. Wow, like that was very odd. I liked when uh, Paul Bowles goes to the junkyard to find uh, Lena Romay's character, uh, was it Melissa, I think. Uh, yeah, Melissa. It's interesting scene because you have this this like junkyard punk gang, and they're wearing like uh, like a Jack Daniels shirt and a Hardy Davidson uh, jacket. And uh, you have this little, uh, this little dwarf, uh, l- little person guy, and he's like repeating everything back that the big guy's saying. So it's funny. It's kind of like his little mirror. Like, I'm gonna kill you. Yeah, we're gonna kill you. And you, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you know what he's talking about. So it's funny. He's just kind of like like a little parrot, parroting back what he's saying. Um, Mike Connors is good. This is Steve. He's very, you know, I'm Mike Connors, how are you, type guy. And uh, he was he was playing basically the, like, tough old cop, you know, the role he's played as Maddox forever. So he's giving almost a one-note performance, but it's but it's the character of him, which, which people know and like, so that's why he was hired. Um, the junkyard scene, I, I wrote, Lena spoke, speaks English, which was cool to me to see her speak. Um, and uh, they find his girlfriend dead, Allison. She's in the trunk, and they have like these three little mice on her body when they open the trunk to find her because Melissa slept in the junkyard as well, and Lena goes, well, this is where she slept. She had the finest car in the junkyard, and so she had her own car, and it said Melissa spray-painted on the windshield. So when he went to the car, he popped the trunk and found her dead body in there. Um like I mentioned, Lena has an awesome vehicle. It's like a, a truck with like a, a back of a hearse combined on it. It's got a really tall, uh, cab with like a circular back window. It's very cool. It's almost like a, it used to be that, the wacky races show and, uh, the monster people drove this cool kind of like truck hearse thing. That's what it reminded me of something like that. Uh, so, of course, Lena's the coolest person, so she gets to drive the coolest vehicle, which I thought that was nice of Uncle Jess. Uh, the chief of police, of course, is corrupt. Um, come to find out that he mentions the, the inspector who works under him. Of course, he brings up this younger girl who he, he said that the inspector had raped, and uh, the inspector has a wife and children, so the p- chief of police kept it quiet, and... He uses that over the inspector's head to keep him in line and to do what he wants. 
because the chief of police is totally corrupt. He's working with the drug dealer and uh, at his house, and he's basically paid off and uh, is in business with him. So um, Lena takes Paul to go find a character called Cowboy, who was the dealer that killed Melissa. And uh, that part kind of reminded me of like uh, hardcore or something, because they go to a place called the Tobacco Gardens, and it's kind of like the seedy nightclub part of town. Um, and it's so funny. So Paul goes in there and takes this big knife and walks into the club and goes after this guy, this African-American guy with a cowboy hat called Cowboy. He follows him into the club and goes into a back area and stabs him and kills him. And then uh, people start yelling and he runs out and then people follow him out and they start beating the shit out of him and kicking him. And then, of course, uh, Alberto Romero, the main cop, sees him and uh, is parked out front and puts handcuffs on him and takes him away to kind of help him out. But it's so funny. So there's a guy that's killed in the club, the cowboy character. He's stabbed and murdered. And then the other police pull up in, in the uh, motorcycles and everything while he's being handcuffed and taken out. And then they just take off. Like, they don't go in and, like, investigate the body, you know, seal off the scene, question people or do anything. They just, like, leave the dead body there, which was I thought was pretty funny. It was, it was kind of wasn't done right the execution was bad um so after lena tells him that they see lena at the club uh one of the junkyard gang members with the uh with the little midget guy uh dwarf we want to call him um little person and uh he's uh the they see lena they call her out by name melissa melissa and then she runs from them down the streets and they're following her on like a four-wheeler, which is funny because one of the guys driving it and, and the little guy's behind him, like uh, standing behind him on the seat or whatever. And uh, it's funny that they're going on a four-wheeler, not a motorcycle or a car or whatever. So they're chasing her in this four-wheeler and she tries to hide in a couple of buildings and finally they catch her and run into her. She screams. You see the headlight going up to her. It's kind of a cheesy death scene, but of course there's a lot of cheesiness in this film, which is another reason why I liked it. Um... So finally, the the main cop, Oscar, I'm sorry, um, Alberto Romero, uh, persuades the chief of, or uh, persuades the inspector to help him and to stand up and to do the right thing and all that stuff. So they know the chief of police is at the opera, and so they go through with the plan of uh, getting together with um, Paul Bowles and uh, Maria, Josephine Chaplin's character. And, uh, of course, Mike Connors is Steve Previn. And they all go forward this plan to basically kill the dealer's um, henchmen and to take the main dealer, Raddick, to the United States to, uh, to stand trial for his crimes. So they have to so they go forward with this plan. The plan's pretty funny. It's not really a big plan. It's just, let's just get together and, like, kill everybody and then uh, arrest the arrest the lead, you know. So uh, they know the chief of police is going to be the opera. So this scene reminded me of, of uh, Brian De Palma's Untouchables because uh, chief of police is up in the um, up in the balcony watching the opera, and uh, the inspector has this like um, ski mask he puts on, and when he pulls it over his head, there's like a big circle in the opening. You like totally see his face through there. So I was thinking, why are you wearing this ski mask to hide your identity when you could see like your eyes and your nose and your mouth? So I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, so they basically go in and then they 
rush the inspector or they rush the chief of police and stab him and put a note on him as they're stabbing him and throw his body off the balcony and he falls into the crowd of the opera and everybody's screaming and running out and then they uh immediately the drug dealer is in a back office of the uh upstairs in the in the opera hall and um like immediately one of his henchmen runs back with the note to give him real fast like while well, he took the body I took the note off the body ran it all the way up the stairs and everything in like two seconds, you know. And they have the ransom note basically saying that they kidnapped the drug dealer's daughter. Oh, yeah, before that, they had they started the plan by basically kidnapping the drug dealer's daughter and holding her for uh, ransom, saying, hey, we have your daughter. We'll kill her unless you surrender to us, and then we'll exchange her him for you. So, um, so yeah, that scene reminded me of the Touch Bowls, and then they get the, they start reading the note, and it's like a ransom note that's worth with like cut out letters, how like an old school ransom note is cut out letters of magazines, and it's all the fonts different and stuff. But it was funny they did a photocopy of a ransom note, so you have the ransom note, and then they photocopied it, and then he's reading the photocopied version of the ransom note, um, which I guess makes sense because then there's no fingerprints on the ransom note that you're assembling cutting out the each letter and everything um oh yeah so there's another scene so after they kidnap him and do kidnap the girl and give him the ransom note um paul and uh i'll just call her josephine chapman's character maria basically follow um four more of the henchmen drug dealers henchmen from a club or something doesn't really say what why they're doing it but this guy's really drunk and they follow him and coming out and the guy that's dubbed the drunk's voice sounds like foster brooks he's like thank you for following me he's doing the whole foster brooks voice which was funny i don't know if uh how old my audience is but if you look up foster brooks you'll see who that is he was always a guy that played drunk in the 70s on 60s and 70s on a lot of tv shows and i think up to the 80s too before he passed away but yeah and a lot of times i don't think he was even drunk it was just playing an act and doing the voice and everything but it was pretty funny it was very very uh definitely had his shtick and that was his character um so they follow them home and then they they go oh it's a police car following us we're okay and then he goes well thanks for following me home officer and then paul and maria just like machine gun him down and uh then he follows paul follows to check on the bodies as josephine chaplin's getting on the uh <laughs> getting on the uh, cb or to say hey and she identifies who she is and says we found four bodies that were gunned down and then Paul does a quick to to make sure one of the guys is dead while she's on the CB phoning it in so in theory if she's phoning it in and he's killing somebody at the same time shouldn't she have you know obviously show she's guilty she it's like blows the thing that they found the bodies already when you hear the machine gun going on so I thought that was pretty funny um oh yeah so then of course we have the the exchange and this, the exchange goes awry when uh Choo Choo the drug kingpin's right hand man servant uh has a plan to basically shoot the inspector in the back um after they do the exchange when Choo Choo's walking back with uh the drug kingpin's daughter and the drug kingpin's walking back with the inspector 
uh, Choo Choo shoots the inspector or throws a knife and kills the inspector. And then there's like a helicopter that the drug kingpin had come over to watch the watch the uh, watch the exchange. And uh, there's a guy in the, in the helicopter shooting a machine gun down at Mike Connors and them in this van. And Mike Connors has like this uh, RPG, like this rocket powered grenade launcher shoots it and blows a helicopter up something like out of commando or something and then they decide uh and the drug kingpin gets away with his daughter and choo-choo who dies on the way and mike connors and uh Chaplin chaplain and uh what was it paul bowles all decide well fuck it this plan messed up all we got's our balls so let's let's storm the compound so they basically storm the compound and blow it up and he uses RPG, blows up the fence, and blows up a couple of the kingpins, and they storm the place and uh, handcuff the kingpin. And, of course, as the synopsis says, um, Geraldine Chaplin takes the law into her own hands. But, yeah, so the copy I got, of course, is the foreign copy, uh, Don's Downtown. It came out now. Oh, yes, mine says Atlas International, too, on the uh, the little deal, the little... Uh, world huh that's interesting yeah so that's my um i have the cover which is similar i think to the new full moon blu-ray i'm don't know if i'm going to pick up the full moon blu-ray because this version is really good but i'm curious um i know the opening title is going to be different stuff and some of the pictures look the same it's got the guy with the sunglasses on and the the gun in the holster which i don't know i guess that's supposed to be either Alberto Romero, the lead character, but it looks more like Paul Bowles, so that's kind of a a fake. Uh, doesn't fit. There's also a picture of a guy hanging on a helicopter shooting a handgun, which doesn't happen. There's a helicopter scene where you know um, Raddick's man is like shooting machine gun out of a helicopter, although we don't see it in one frame. You just see a close up, and then you see the helicopter and back to the close up again. And then also there's a a nice car driving and the car blowing up behind it um the only thing that happened was when the car blew or uh, the van blew up coming down off the side of the hill so that's bullshit too so yeah basically of the three pictures here of the uh car blowing up behind us speeding off uh what is this maybe like a bmw or mercedes or something driving away at night that doesn't happen the guy the sunglasses and the gun and the holster is non-existent and uh the guy hanging on the helicopter shooting a handgun is not in the film either. So that's totally false advertising on the cover. And I think the uh, Blu-ray from Full Moon that was just released has almost the same pictures, but it's slightly colored different and changed a little bit. So, so yeah, uh, buyer beware. That's definitely not uh, in the film. So. Alrighty, let's go through the Franco Observer Checklist. This is, of course, a list that we started really early in the podcast. I don't know what episode, but probably after the first four or five of things we kept seeing popping up here and again. Of course, throughout the run of the Franco filmography, uh, some of these disappeared, uh, but I still kept them for prosperity. Like, of course, the sheepskin rug was more the... um, um, I just spaced his name. Uh, The... um, Swiss producer that Franco worked for did like uh, Desclavin and all that um, for him um, barbed wire dolls and all that so there was always the uh, um, 
sheepskin rug. Of course, the, the masturbation with the C item. Oh, um, Dietrich, yeah, or um, yeah, C Dietrich. So it was that that producer. Um, but this, some of those I don't see anymore pop through the filmography. But you know, I don't want to sit there and take things out, especially when we got about I don't know seventeen, eighteen episodes left of the run. Um, Oh yeah, speaking of that, I, I had uh, somebody write me that said, hey, you know, I see you only have about 18 episodes left and there should be about like 22 or 23 or 24 or something like that. Um, truth be told, I don't have some of the later Franco films like the two Crypt films and uh, the last one he did, which was started by Franco, I think, or is more of a, a Mayans film. Uh, was it The Revenge of the Alligator Ladies? That one I don't have. And uh, so, so there are a few films that I don't have, um, about maybe five or so, but I will go through what I have, um, and I'm going to have about, it's going to be about 161 episodes, and of course this one now is 145, so we're looking at about 16. And then I have a few other Franco films um, that are like documentaries and stuff, so I, I might do a couple of those, I'm not sure. But I also am thinking about changing this after the run of Franco and maybe moving to another director. Um, but we'll see how it goes. We'll see if the uh, we'll see what people think and if people want to keep listening to it and uh, how it goes. But I don't know. Um, I do appreciate everybody that's been listening since the beginning. And I don't know they're all Franco fans, but of course Franco isn't the only director out there. And I know a lot of you enjoy other cool films, cult films. Uh, foreign films uh, and interesting cinema so if I can bring some of that to you and maybe turn you on to some of the things that I got turned on to I don't know I think that's this the whole thing about sharing and I always like to talk about sharing so maybe we'll do that but that's at a later date so alright on to the Franco list alright number one Body of Water yes we have Body of Water in the film uh, we have uh, quite a few in the beginning actually see some oceans and uh, bodies of water, swimming pools, and that type of stuff. Two, sailboats. Uh, no, no sailboats per se, but number three, boats. There's no boats in the ocean in this film, but there's painting of a boat in uh, Jeff's office. Um, so you see that. Number four, palm trees. Yes, plenty of palm trees to this whole film, which I liked. Uh, number five, jungle sound effects. No. Nobody's there's no jungle sound effects because we're not in the jungle in this film. Uh, number six, chained up person. Nobody's chained up, but the daughter of the drug dealer is tied up. Um, so that's a partial point on that. Uh, number seven, dance scenes on stage stripping. No, no dance scenes on stage stripping. Uh, number eight, club scenes, dancing in a bar. Uh, there's club scenes, like I mentioned, the tobacco gardens where they go to find cowboy and kill him. Uh, but, uh, no dancing people, nothing like that. So, uh, number eight, I already did that. Number eight, uh, number nine, jazz music. Yes. There's quite a bit of jazz. Of course, Paul Bowles is a, plays the saxophone. And so you see him with his jazz band and there's a lot of cool jazz all the way through the film. Cause of course, Franco loves jazz. So it's good to have that. Uh, number 10, excessive zooms. No excessive zooms, but there are plenty of close-ups in this, but he doesn't zoom in and out like he used to. Uh, 11, out-of-focus shots. No, everything was good. Uh, he's not doing a lot of close-up zooming in on crotch shots and being out of focus and stuff like he used to do, so that's pretty good on that. 
Uh, number 12, Mirror Shots. Uh, yeah, there's uh, the cool one I mentioned of uh, Paul Bull's wife staring him through the glass. You have a cool uh, rear, rear view mirror shot of in the car in the beginning uh, where you see the characters in the rear view mirror was pretty cool. And there's about, those are two, there's about maybe three or four cool mirror shots in this. Uh, number 13, mind control theme. Well, kind of. If you think they're controlled through their drug addiction, then yes. But there's no traditional uh, diabolical Dr. Z or no uh, awful Dr. Orloff where they're putting people under mind control or nothing like that. Uh, okay, number 14, magic tongue scenes. No, you have Lena in this, but she doesn't unleash the magic tongue. 15, red light, no. Uh, but there's a blue light from the cop car. The cop car is blue light, but no red light. Even though cop cars do have red lights in this film, there was just the blue light on top of the car. Uh, number 16, Sheepskin Rug. No Irwin C. Dietrich, so there's the name. Uh, so no uh, Sheepskin Rug. And no Masturbation with a C item, which was my theory that Irwin C. Dietrich. Frank always had a item with the letter C, like a cigarette, cigar, a cane, a cucumber, something that had the letter C. Um, that was always my theory about why he had the masturbation with the letter C item during those series of films. Uh, number 17, Mad Scientist and Servant. No, he had drug dealer and his henchman, but no Mad Scientist with Servant. Uh, 18, Fish Tank Shots. No. Uh, 19, Talking Parrot. No. 20, End Credits. Yes or No. My version had none, but on the full moon Blu-ray that's coming out, I would think that... Oh, actually, no, I'm sorry. There was in credits. I didn't write it down. Now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, there there is in credits with, with everybody's name, so that would be yes. 21, handwritten notes. Well, there's the ransom note that's photocopied that you could tell was done for this film, so I would say yes on that. But it's no, like, cheesy cardboard signs written with funky font or nothing. But there was a little bit where they go to the junkyard and there's like some spray-painted stuff on the buses, which was pretty funny. Uh, you could tell it was just like, you know, drugs and sex and stuff on the side of the bus, which you could tell was just done for this film. So, yeah, I'll say that counts. Uh, 22, Spiral Staircase Shot. Uh, I didn't catch any in this one. 23, Inept Cops. Yeah, you have the really good cops that are by the book and do their job, and then you have the other ones that are, of course, corrupt and paid off, so I would say there is some inept cops in this, definitely. Uh, number 24, Billy Chains. No, nothing like that. 25, Kinks. No, no Kinks. 26, Great Headboard. Um, the only nice headboard we had was the uh, Drug Kingpin's headboard, but it was more traditional, nothing, nothing too fancy. Uh, 27, fear or desire. I'd say the desire uh, would be the element, um, the desire for to be the richest drug dealer, <laughs> the desire of money, the desire of power. Uh, 28, acoustic guitar player. Yes, uh, on the beach scene where the drug kingpin's daughter gets kidnapped, she's hanging out with a bunch of friends, and you see a guy that's playing an acoustic guitar along with the people hanging out drinking and having a good time. Uh, 29, reading a book scene. No reading book, but they do read the um, the uh, kidnapping letter. Um, or the ransom letter. And finally, uh, number 30, pee scene. No, nobody's going pee. Nobody talks about I have to go pee or nothing like that. So, But it's funny, making this list. Oh, and there's the end of the Franco Observer. 
podcast checklist. Uh, while making that list, it's funny because now I'll watch, and I've had other people tell me that, where they'll watch other movies and they'll start doing their Franco Observer checklist. Oh, there's a body of water. Oh, there's somebody saying they have to go pee. Oh, there's a goose guitar player. And, and oh, here's the red light. Here's a mind control theme. So it's interesting how some of that translates over to other films. Um Alrighty, well, I'm not going to go into all the Blu-ray information because I recorded a little commercial now that I'm going to be playing through the episodes to uh, discuss the Blu-rays, but I'll just say really quickly, we got six Blu-rays now, Mondo Sacramento, Lady Hyde, Emmanuel in Sin City, the new DQD double feature of uh, Mondo Visions and the Desires of Dawn, and then finally the short films of Jason Rudy, Volume 1, Volume 2, those are all brand new Blu-rays put out by me within the last uh, three, four months or less. Uh, I've been super motivated now since uh, getting clean and sober. Uh, now coming up on, uh, where are we in now, June. So yeah, it's about six months clean. So i um, been working my ass off doing those. So if you support me and you support the podcast, I would appreciate if you pick those up. Uh, they're 20 bucks each, and I'll ship them to you. Or I have a storefront that ships to anywhere in the world. So if you want to support me or support the podcast, you can get a hold of me at DesperateVisions at Yahoo.com or check us out on the Instagram Facebook Observer page or my Facebook page, Franco Observer, and I'll send you the link and all the information and all that. So, yeah, I think you'll dig them. They're all cool. they got audio commentaries special features, all that good stuff, and they're good films. They're ones I wrote, directed, produced, all that good stuff. So please support me and do that. Um, also, you can support me by watching Lady Hyde on Tubi or Amazon Prime and uh, Cineverse. And we just got picked up by a few more stations. So Lady Hyde's been chugging right along. I'm really proud of that film. Uh, it's been picked up by a lot of different stations, some a short time, some keeps going. It's been on Tubi since November, so that's pretty awesome. Uh, also, too, we have Mondo Sacramento 2 that's playing on Tubi. That's a film I'm very proud of. It's got the amazing Lynn Lowry in it uh, from, of course, Crazies, and uh, they came from Within, and I Drink Your Blood, and Sugar Cookies, and uh, Radley Massacre's Score, and all that. So she's a very famous cult actress that I had the pleasure of directing back in 2013. Uh, and this one she plays... Um, Dorothea Puente, and she puts in a really good performance in the film. I was watching it when I was transferring it, um, and I was really impressed with her performance. It was very cool in the film. So, yeah, check out Mondo Sacramento 2 on Tubi, and uh, it's on a couple other stations, and also, of course, Lady Hyde on Tubi, Amazon Prime, Cineverse, and a few other stations. So check those out. Every time somebody watches them, I get paid a little bit of money, so that always helps. Uh, also, speaking of money, if you want to donate, of course, you can check out the Red Circle homepage. And uh, it has all the information there, one time or reoccurring. It's always appreciated for the free content over the last almost three years coming up. So, uh, Also, subscribe to the show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, all your favorite f- platforms. Uh, if you can, leave a review or give a favorable rating to the show on any of your podcasting platforms. Uh, give it four or five stars, whatever you like. If you dig it you want people to know about it, please tell a friend. Tell a friend about the films. Tell a friend about Desperate Visions. Tell them how you can support true independent cinema, not 
these films that say they're independent but they're made for $5 million and are sold by major corporations. This is sold by me, my one-man army, uh, one-man SWAT team, Desperate Visions Productions. I do all the shipping, all the manufacturing, all the remastering, all the replication. Well, I don't know the replication. The company does that, but... Yeah, it's all a totally, totally independent, just like Uncle Jess. So if you want to support the spirit, support the show, that would be a great way to do it. Uh, also, as I said before, you can get a hold of me at either FrancoObserver at Yahoo.com. Once again, FrancoObserver, one word, at Yahoo.com or Desperate Visions, D-E-S-P-E-R-A-T-E-V-I-S-I-O-N-S. It's one word, DesperateVisions, at Yahoo.com. And we have our Facebook and Instagram pages, uh, Franco Observer Podcast on Facebook or Franco Observer Podcast on Instagram. So, all right. Well, that wraps up another episode. This was episode 145, film 160, Downtown Heat. And I recommend it. I thought it was a good film. Uh, of course, it's not the greatest Franco film there is, but, you know, Lena's super cool in it. Uh, it's got some good action in it. It's got good production value. I like the story. It reminded me of, uh, you know, Franco detective style films, which I always dig. So, yeah, check it out, man. Uh, you can get it now through Full Moon Blu-ray. That's a nice, cheap, free plug for them. Um, but, yeah, I might pick it up in time. We'll see how it goes. But I have a really nice DVD-R copy from the foreign print, which I like. So we'll see how that goes. So, Alrighty, I hope all you are doing well out there. And uh, keep up the Franco spirit. And once again, buenas noches, maha. Buenas noches, maha. Ah.